0: Welcome to Pericope, the podcast for the Canterbury Episcopal Group at Columbia, Barnard, and Fordham Universities. I am Ryan Karatko, the Episcopal Chaplain. The process of catching up continues. Today we have the sermon from February 21st on Lent One. If you'd like to see the readings, they're easy to find on the usual lectionary websites. As has been the case for a full year now as I record this, I'm recording this during the pandemic. So you can in the background hear dog barking and children playing and my family eating dinner. I hope it is not too distracting. Here you are, and thank you for joining us. God hates nothing about us. On Ash Wednesday, one of the prayers that we read says, God, oh God, you hate nothing you have made. And I've been thinking so much about that and thinking about this covenant with Noah and with the bow pointed into the air. Today, we hear the story of. Noah, which you might remember from somewhere in your ancient past as a Bible story or as a Sunday school story, I don't know. If you have not read it in a long time, you should go back and look at it sometime because it's probably not quite how you remember it. There's a whole lot of scholarship you can do about Noah. Uh, and a lot of it's really interesting, despite the fact that the story itself in a way is somewhat horrifying, which is to say that everybody drowns. Um, this was a common myth, as you may know, too, in the in, in the Middle East. The Gilgamesh has a really sort of lovely flood story as well. Uh, and there, are, of course, what saves Utnapishtim is cleverness, uh, not righteousness. What saves Noah is righteousness. He has a good relationship with God, and so in the midst of this horror is um god decides to just sort of start over it's not clear exactly why other than everything has just gone to hell uh, somewhat literally and so if you recall in genesis the whole world is protected like a little like a little nut a hazelnut julie of norwich says but it, she's much later but there's the sense that god has keeps the waters out from the bottom and keeps the waters out from the top. That's why the the sky is blue. And so, for the flood, God just relaxes it. And the floods come up and the floods come down and and all of creation is reduced to one boat. There's just one boat that's kept safe in the middle. Um, If it horrifies you to think about God letting all of this destructive power in, it seems to horrify Peter, too, although this, this lesson that we get in Peter today is basically three run-on sentences that don't quite hang together clause for clause. So, interpreting it is tough, but Peter seems to imagine that part of what Jesus was up to in being dead for three days was going to talk to everyone who died at the time of Noah and invite them to a life of closer walking with God. So, uh, Peter, too, seems aware that, that there's a need for the forgiveness of God to extend to everyone, even people who- who weren't alive in Jesus' time. All of these are kind of really interesting things hanging on to hanging on to the Noah story, and they all surround what we arrive at today, which is the story of there's are after all the birds and birds finding twigs and all this kind of stuff, and that and the ark is now parked. And God is in the middle of working out a covenant. It's the first covenant that God ever makes with people. Um, A covenant is, uh, is just an agreement between two political powers, usually a bigger and a smaller. In the ancient Middle East, a covenant was usually written on a big stone set in between two political powers, and it said, this marks our boundary. If you cross this line, I get to invade you. But instead, God sets up an eternal covenant with Noah and every living creature that God won't do this again. I will never again hate everything so much that I just started all over. And to symbolize this, God takes God's bow. So a a a rainbow is supposed to look like a bow, like a bow and arrow, not like a bow that you tie in laces, and hangs it up. It's it it, the, the the business end of it is now pointing away. That God's weapon will never again point at creation. God will hate. God hates nothing about us. God is not willing to let all of that chaos back in. It's such an interesting lesson for so many reasons, but one of them has to do with, I think, the useful difference between knowing that God loves us and realizing that God doesn't hate us, that God doesn't hate anything about us. There's something very powerful in being loved, and I, the, I, I'd love to be the first priest to tell you that God loves you, or the 12,000th priest to tell you that God loves you, because all of that's true. Um, and, I'm, and, I, and that's so important. But it's so important, too, to realize that God does not hate this world. God does not insist that we listen only to bad Christian radio. God does not insist that we only say the Lord's Prayer over and over again. In any moment, our mind is not thinking that something has gone wrong. God does not insist that if we are not on a pilgrimage or receiving communion right now, our life is being wasted. God points the weapon away and says, have at it. This is the world. It's going to be full of all kinds of possibilities, and I'm not going to wipe them out again. It is, I think, uh, appropriately enough that the rainbow is a weapon that welcomes diversity. (laughs) It's the weapon that will not be pointed at the world and welcomes all welcomes all the little diverse interests of humanity. I think about this every year uh, when for the Ig Nobel Awards. I don't know if you follow the Ig Nobel Awards, but if you don't, you should. Or the Ig Nobel Awards. These are awards given to basic science, which are really funny. There are people who study things like bat farts and um, little funny things that, that science needs to know and needs to understand. God hates none of that. God does not insist that everything look all one way. Um, it, interestingly, it will be Noah's covenant that first invites people to eat meat. <laughs> um, up until then, everyone was supposed to be a vegetarian. Even meat eaters will be welcomed in in the future that God has. God is welcoming. I think it's important for us to know not only that we are loved, but that we are not hated. That we are not hated. That there is a fullness of welcome and possibility and new things. God does does not hate us. God loves us. God welcomes us. It's hard to read, Noah, too, without thinking about climate change, that God has said God will no longer flood us to death, but doesn't say a single thing about us. We seem entirely capable of flooding ourselves to death. And it's an interesting note, I think, that it's easy to miss, that with the covenant of the rainbow becomes a kind of invitation to responsibility, that God is no longer going to wipe out everything if it goes wrong. It's going to be up to us. Climate change is up to us. This is something that we are gonna be responsible for and have to work on and figure out. It's going to be neither the case that God swoops in and fixes it all, nor the case that God just wipes us all out. We're gonna have to live with all of the decisions that we've made. And we're gonna have to figure out, we have to live worse with the decisions that our parents and our grandparents and our forebears made. And we're gonna have to figure out how to make them better. We are invited, I think, in Noah's covenant, To not only recognize diversity, but also our responsibility for sharing in taking care of this wild and wondrous and crazy world where we've managed to land tiny robots on Mars and we get to look at pictures of it. Uh, The way that we land robots on Mars is crazy. The idea that there's a little helicopter that lowers a crane. The whole thing is nuts. Who would design something that way? We did. And it's cool. It's beautiful. If God has called us to this weird and diverse and wonderful world, then it's important for us to embrace that. If God is not going to hate the world, if God is not going to start it over again, then we're going to have to give up both the kind of childish wish that God would just fix all of our problems, but also the fear that God is just going to come and wipe us all out. God will neither fix all of our problems nor destroy us all just because something's gone awry. That means that we too, I think, are going to have to learn to hang up our bows. We're going to have to learn how to deal with the hatred that so infects our society with the media that that gains ad revenue from our hatred and, 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 and the intensity that brings us. Um, we're gonna have to learn to let our hatred of what is different from us go um, in big and in small ways. The call of Lent, I think, is really just this, Oh Lord, you hate nothing that you have made. We are called to do all of the diverse things that we are called to do, Mars robots and, uh, and, and writing and study and law and all of these wonderful and beautiful things, but we are also called to be the people who f- let hatred go, who find ways to dismantle it and take it apart. And take responsibility for this one wondrous, rainbow-filled world. Amen. If you like what you hear, please feel free to share it around. You can find a copy on our website, CanterburyNYC.org, under the Uptown section, or from your usual podcast streaming apps and places. If you'd like to comment, please feel free to send me an email, chaplain.ryan at You are also welcome to support our campus ministry. You can learn more about giving by going to CanterburyNYC.org, clicking the Uptown link, and clicking give. Our music today is Cold Funk by Kevin MacLeod. You can find more of his work at incompetech.filmmusic.io. It's licensed under Creative Commons, and you can learn more about it from the link in the show notes. And as St. Clair said, live without fear. Your creator loves you, made you holy, and has always protected you. Follow the good road in peace.